understanding histograms in photography. Hi, and a very warm welcome to episode 164 of the Photography Explained podcast. I'm your host, Rick, and in each episode, I will try to explain one photographic thing to you in plain English in less than 27 minutes-ish without the irrelevant details. I'm a professionally qualified photographer based in England with a lifetime of photographic experience, which I share with you in my podcast. Here is the answery bit. A histogram is a graph that shows the range of tones in a photo from black to white. A histogram can help a photographer to get the correct exposure. A histogram shows the photographer if an image is underexposed or overexposed and if any data is being lost in the shadows or the highlights. Okay, so that was the answery bit. Now, this might sound complicated, histogram. It sounds like a horrible term, doesn't it? But it's not too bad, don't worry. And this episode is going to be much more to the point than the last episode, that is. 38 minutes long. Did you get all the way through it? <laughs> now I'm refining this down to the histogram only. I'm going to focus on, um, on just that one thing. Yeah, the last episode, it was a long one with lots of related stuff included. All good stuff, but we're going to try something different and see how that goes down with everybody. Right, let's get into this. Okay, where can I find the histogram? As good a place as any to start, I think. Well, it's on the back of your camera, on the LCD screen, and also somewhere in your image processing software. Now, I know you can see the histogram in Lightroom, which is what I use, and I assume that all of the software shows you the histogram as well. So camera manufacturers think it's important, so it's, it's worth us understanding it, right? With my Canon 6D, I can view it when I'm taking photos in live view mode, which is very, very cool. And that's on the LCD screen. And I can also review the histogram on the LCD screen on the back of my camera after I've taken a photo. So it's there before and after, which is really good. And I assume that all modern digital cameras also have a histogram feature built in. Or as my script says, within. Right, so what's the histogram showing me? The important bit. It's a graph showing the distribution of the image's brightness level. The left-hand end is pure black. The right-hand end is pure white. And in the middle is everything from black to white. Well, you'd expect that, wouldn't you? So we go from pure black at the left-hand end, through the shadows, then the mid-tones, then the highlights, all the way to pure white at the right-hand end of the scale. Now, the vertical bars represent the number of pixels for each brightness level. The higher the bar, the more there is. So horizontal access, brightness level from black to white, vertical access, number of pixels. A histogram is a brightness histogram, and you might come across the term luminosity histogram. They're actually the same thing, um, as is a luminance histogram. And a histogram is also described as showing the tonal value range. And again, this means pretty much the same thing. After all, the tonal range is a range of brightness. Okay, so that's what it's showing you, but what does this mean? How can it help you? Well, if the state... And I'm going to try and stop saying well at the beginning of every sentence because I don't write it and I don't speak like that. Right, concentrate, Rick. <laughs> if there's data in the vertical bar to the extreme left, you've lost some of the detail in the blacks or the shadows. This is called clipping. If there are lots of vertical bars on the left-hand side, you're underexposing. You will get an underexposed image and you will lose shadow detail. Now, we don't want that, do we? No, we don't, Rick. 
if there's data in the vertical bar to the extreme right, you have lost some of the detail in the whites or highlights. This is also called clipping. And if there's lots of vertical bars on the right hand side, you're overexposing, you'll get an overexposed image and you're losing highlight detail. Now we don't want that either, do we? Now, if you've got a histogram which does not reach either the left or right hand end, then it looks like you've got the exposure correct. You've correctly recorded the brightness levels in a scene. The more pixels there are to the left, the darker the image. And the more pixels to the right, the brighter the image. Too many pixels to the left, we lose detail in the shadows. Too many pixels to the right, we lose details in the highlights. And that's all the histogram is. It's a very important and very useful visual respiratory... <laughs> Visual representation, difficult word clearly, of the exposure of a photo. The histogram shows you the exposure of your image. So just to repeat, a histogram is a visual representation of the light captured. Right, well, is that all? Um, unfortunately not. Now, there are two types of histograms. Obviously, histogram is a word that applies in all walks of life, but in photography terms, there are two types of histograms. I mean, there might be more, I don't know. These are the two that I know of anyway. So you also have an RGB histogram. Now, RGB in photography is red, green and blue. And this is also known as a colour histogram. And it shows the amounts of each colour and the mix of colours. Now, I, I know of the RGB histogram, but I've never used the colour histogram ever so I'm going to do the decent thing here and I'm going to move on. Now, if you want to know more about colour histograms, just let me know. But please remember, I've managed without them, rightly or wrongly, for a long time now, OK? And every time I say something like this, I'm, I'm sort of almost saying it in fear of somebody calling me out saying, you can't be a proper photographer because you're not using your RGB histogram. I've never used it and I don't really, I don't really see how it's going to help me. So I'm fine with that. So... We'll see if anybody does make any comments. So all I'm going to do here is make you aware of them. And I've also told you that, in my opinion, you don't need to worry about them too much. So let's move on. Too much? I mean, we don't need to worry about them at all. OK, that was histograms. So it's not too bad, is it? One thing not on my script. When I say you've lost detail in the shadows or the highlights, it means that your camera is not capturing something that's there. and you can't replace that. There's nothing you can do. It's stuff that you haven't recorded, you haven't captured. So your photo isn't capturing everything that you're seeing. So that can't be a good thing, can it? That was one of my better outlets, wasn't it? What does clipping mean? Well, clipping is a term used to describe an area of the highlights or the shadows that have not been correctly captured or processed. Shadow clipping means you've lost some of the shadow detail. Highlight clipping, not surprisingly, means that you've lost some of the highlights. Now, clipping is also a term that you'll find being used for removing the background from a photo, which I know it gets confusing, doesn't it? But let's move on. How can I use a histogram to help me take better photos? Great question, Rick. Get the histogram up on the LCD screen on the back of your camera. You can view the histogram of what you're taking a photo of before you take the photo, which is pretty cool. Yes, you can see if your camera settings will give you a correct exposure or not. And you can also see if there's going to be a loss of detail and data anywhere. And this is very useful. It's a very powerful tool to have, actually. And on some cameras, you can set the camera so that underexposed or overexposed parts of a photo are flashing. Now, these things are commonly called blinkies, would you believe? 
So let's not forget the general rule here. If something's flashing when you take a photo or when you look at a photo you've taken, there's usually something wrong. There's something that we need to fix. There's something that we need to change to get rid of the blinkies. Okay. <laughs> I like that blinkies. What you're looking for is a nice distribution of light with nothing reaching the left or right edges of the histogram graph. Okay. If you've not got this, you must change something to get the correct exposure, and usually that'd be the aperture or the shutter. Or if neither of those are an option, the ISO, which I always use aperture and shutter first, and if that doesn't work, then I will use the ISO. Okay, too many pixels to the left, you're underexposing. You need more light, so you need a larger aperture to let more light in, or a slower shutter speed, exposing the camera sensor to light for longer or you can change to a higher ISO value. Too many pixels to the right? Well, you're overexposing. You need to reduce the amount of light, so you need a smaller aperture letting less light in, or a faster shutter speed exposing the camera sensor to light for less time. Or alternatively, choose a lower ISO. Now, <laughs> I'm, I was quite relieved that I got those the right way around, because it's one of the things that I quite often do get the wrong way around, so that was, that was bang on that I'm happy with that. And a quick tip here, you can quickly make these adjustments, little tweaks to the exposure, just using exposure compensation. Blimey, that wasn't too bad, was it? Okay, so what does a good histogram look like? Well, no vertical... Oh, I said well then, didn't I? <laughs> there are no... I'll try again. There are no vertical bars on the graph's left or right hand ends. And beyond that, it's impossible to describe in words. And this was always my biggest fear with this episode, is trying to describe something incredibly visual in words only. So if you check out the blog post at photographyexplainedpodcast.com, go to the post for this episode, and I've included the examples from the Canon 6D manual, which is still is one of my go-to written references for all things photography-related, because it's, it's seriously helpful information. So there's no ideal histogram, there's no perfect histogram, but there are bad histograms. How much there is in each of the vertical bars, it depends on the content of the image, the range of tones in the image, and the brightness of those tones. So that's what determines it. So there isn't a perfect histogram. I can't say this histogram is brilliant, this one isn't. Well, I can say if it isn't, if everything's to the left or the right. Okay, histograms and the exposure triangle. You can use the exposure triangle with the brightness histogram to get the correct exposure. The exposure triangle. Now, that's the thing that gives you the ways to adjust the exposure. And the histogram, it shows you the exposure and what it's doing, what it's giving you. So the two work hand in hand. And here is the talky bit. There's more that I could have said here, but this is the bit that's relevant to me. This is the bit that helps me to take better photos. So all the other stuff I'm leaving out, this is what we need to know. And that's all that I'm telling you. There's loads more to this subject, but sometimes we just need to get to the bits that matter. Getting the best exposure that we can is important, and we can use the camera's histogram to help us to get that exposure. As I said, there's no such thing as a perfect histogram. There are so many variables in every photo that we take when it comes to light and brightness. So don't even try to get the perfect histogram. Don't even bother. It doesn't exist, okay? But you can use the histogram graph to help you get the best exposure that you can, and that's what we're after. And as to the graph, what is the vertical axis actually showing us? Well, it's showing us the brightness value. It's the amount of brightness. It's referred to as the number of... It's, 
It's referred to as the number of pixels in many places, but if you go to the Canon 6D manual, Canon call it the brightness histogram, and that works for me. If Canon say it, I'm happy with that. So use the histogram to help you to get the best exposure that you can. I know I've touched on this before. All major camera manufacturers have got histograms built into the cameras, and there must be a reason for this, right? So yeah, histogram is one of the best tools to help you to get the best exposure that you can every time. And writing this, it's reminding me that I need to be a bit more diligent myself. And a thought has quite literally just entered my head. Now, when I, when I say that, that was when I was writing my script. This genuinely came in. I was just going through it and making sure it was all in English for once, trying to reduce the errors. And, and I had a thought, and it is this. If you like the high key effect, which is a technique where you get overexposed, very light and bright photos with little or no shadows, it's quite a stylish look. Certainly portraits, you can get some really nice stuff. If you're doing this, you can use the histogram to, to recreate the same effect on another photo, because I said that we should always try to get the best exposure we can, and sometimes the best exposure, it can be an overexposed image if that's what you're after. And you can use the histogram to recreate that effect, which is actually an interesting thought. Right, talk a bit over, and that was a nice short one. Never going to get to 38 minutes on this episode. Got to be a good thing. What if I use a phone and not a camera? Just going to convert that into a heading. I'm getting a lot quicker with my... um. <laughs> I was just about to say I'm getting a lot quicker with my updating my script live while I'm recording and I just failed miserably there so I'm just going to keep on going what if I use a phone and not a camera I've never used a histogram for photos taken with my phone never you can of course get apps that have histograms that show the exposure I even found one in my very quick search that explains histograms in underwater photography which is interesting now if you think about it a histogram on a phone, it's telling you the same things as a histogram on a camera or in Lightroom or anything else. So everything I've said so far, it applies. You just need an app that can show you it. Because after all, it's a visual... Rep <laughs> it's a visual represent... I'm having trouble with representation. I'm not sure why, because I've managed to say it for most of my life so far. After all, third time lucky, it is a visual representation, that's better, of the tonal values in a photo. Okay, what if I use a film camera? Well, you won't have a histogram. That's it. This is a digital photography thing. Now, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I'll let you decide that. What do I do? I use the brightness histogram to check the exposure is correct. I haven't always done this, but I have been doing so more and more, as this is it's a really good... I've written best practice, but why? I, I've got no idea. I use the histogram because it's there and it's really helpful and it's telling me things about the exposure. It's dealing in fact, it's really useful and that's why I use it. I mean, why wouldn't you? These days, I'm all about getting the highest quality image every time I take a photo and that is my priority. Best practice. What was I thinking? And I've never used the RGB histogram. You can use one or the other with the Canon 6D. One or the other, not both, and I choose brightness. I'm not clear how the colour histogram will help me, but I'm very clear how the brightness histogram will help me, and I use it all the time. See, this is what I can do. I can check the exposure before I take a photo. It allows me to tweak the exposure to get the first image absolutely bang on. 
And I do those tweaks to the exposures using the exposure compensation dial. I just turn it one way or the other until I've got the best histogram that I can. And then I take three photos, one with the correct exposure, one two stops underexposed and one two stops overexposed. Yeah, I want a wider dynamic range than my Canon 6D can capture in a single image. But that doesn't mean that I'm lazy or I'm lax with my exposure. No, I always get the best exposure that I can with the first image. I treat the first image as the only photo I'm going to take, as though this would be the final image. And then, back in Lightroom, back at home, I add more of the lights and darts to give me more to my photo. So on the Canon 6D, the brightness histogram is on the LCD screen on the back of the camera. And this is great for me as I compose using the viewfinder and the LCD screen. So it works for me nicely. And as I take photos using a tripod, I can do this. If I were taking photos handheld, I wouldn't be able to do this. Well, not in the same way anyway. Actually, I've never thought about that before, but how would that work? Well, you'd end up taking photos with your camera like you do with a phone holding your camera in front of you. And I'm not a fan of that myself. I really am not. Now, I guess with with more recent cameras and the Canon 6D, you'll be able to see the see the histogram in the electronic viewfinder on mirrorless cameras, not on SLRs or DSLRs, obviously. But how small is it? How much? I think I'd struggle with that being so small in there, but it's one for me to have a think about, actually. But this gives the argument for taking photos with your camera on a tripod even more weight because your camera's on a tripod. You can look at the histogram. You can look at the composition through the viewfinder as well. Best of all worlds. Right, I'm going to move on there because that took far too long. Some thoughts from the last episode, which was Photography Explained podcast episode 163. Why is sharpness in photography so important? Well, this was a long one. It was a long episode. See, I took sharpness and and I took everything related to it and and it worked for me and that's good. I said a lot of things there and it was... um, I was trying something different, seeing if I can make one episode cover that subject and everything related to it, which I think I did quite well. But there's one thing I'd like to remind you about from the sharpness in photography. When we're talking about shutter speeds, we often talk about using a fast enough shutter speed to get sharp photos, as in the reciprocal of the focal length. Shooting at 200mm, shutter speed minimum 1 250th of a second to get a sharp photo. That's the general rule of thumb. So we talk about minimum shutter speeds, but it's worth saying that if you're fortunate enough to have fast shutter speeds to get the correct exposure, say, I don't know, one five hundredth of a second, one one thousandth of a second, one one thousandth of a second. I'm not very good at saying that thing, am I? Or faster. That's fine and normal and you're in a good place. What it means is that you're, you're not in England where the light's rubbish most of the time. So you've got some nice bright light and, and you're using those faster shutter speeds all the time and it's fine. So you can use faster shutter speeds for any type of photography. You don't just have to use faster shutter speeds for fast moving things. And with faster shutter speeds, you can still take your photos with your camera on a tripod. But you have the option to not do if you don't want to. OK, next episode. Do I really need a camera in 2023 or will my phone do instead? Yeah, I'm back to the fundamental question I ask yearly and this will be a free-flowing whatever-is-in-my-head episode. There'll be lots of ad-libbing in this one which I look forward to writing and recording. So I did this in 2020, 21 and 22 and yeah, I've just realised that 2023's 
rapidly running out of time, isn't it? So I better get that one in before before in 2024. And I think I need to plan it for a little bit early in 2024. I'm looking forward to that one. I really am. Because that might coincide with a, a new acquisition. You never know. Right, moving on. Shut up, Rick. Ask me a question. If you have a question you would like me to answer, head over to the podcast website, photographyexplainedpodcast.com forward slash start. So I can't say representation and I can't say photography. Oh, well, nearly at the end. Don't worry. So photographyexplainedpodcast.com forward slash start where you can find out what to do. And feel free to just say hi if you want. It would be lovely to hear from you, whatever you've got to say or ask of me. Right, I'm done. Last minute script change. This episode was brought to you by um, not a cheese and pickle sandwich. No, a ham sandwich and a bag of cheese and onion crisps washed down with a nice cold Diet Pepsi before I settled down in my homemade acoustically cushioned recording emporium. Today's acoustic treatment, and I'm going to say this for the last time because it's my new blackout blind and two pillows, which is my final solution, which I'm not going to change. So I'm not going to bore you with it again. I've been Rick McAvoy. Thanks again very much for listening to my small but perfectly formed podcast, it says here, and for giving me 27-ish minutes of your valuable time. I'm going to guess at 21 or 22 minutes for this episode after I've done the edit. This episode... My script still says this episode will be about 30 minutes longer after I've edited out the mistakes and other bad stuff. It was actually 38 minutes long, the last episode, because there wasn't anywhere near as much bad stuff as I saw. So, um, yeah, about 22 minutes, I reckon. And at that point, I'm going to stop boring with how long the episode's going to be, because by the time you get to download it, you'll be able to see that anyway. Take care. Stay safe. Cheers from me, Rick.